This is episode 173 of the Manager Track podcast. This is a must know topic and a must listen to episode. We're going to talk about the languages of appreciation at work. And I have a very special guest with me. I am super excited to have Dr. Paul White on as a guest on the episode. Dr. Paul White wrote or co-authored the book, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, together with Dr. Chapman. Dr. Chapman was the author of The Five Love Languages that you might have read before or heard about. Now, the book that the two co-authored, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, sold over 550,000 times and has been translated in 26 languages globally. They work with organizations across the globe, small and big, across industries and sectors, and the work that they do is tremendously impactful. Dr. Paul White dedicated his work to this and to appreciation in the workplace, and this is his legacy work, and he's full of wisdom, and I'm very excited to share this conversation with you here on the podcast. In brief, Dr. Paul White is a psychologist, a speaker, and a leadership expert who makes work relationships work, as he says. He has been interviewed by the New York Times, and we will link to a New York Times article, by the way, in the show notes. The BBC News and other international publications, he has, as I said, co-authored the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. He's also created an online assessment called Motivating by Appreciation Inventory to help people identify their preferred languages of appreciation and then being able to pivot and adapt their styles to what other people's preferences are and to be on the lookout for the things that matter to them the most. The assessment has been taken by over 375,000 employees worldwide. It's also available in multiple languages and just not just to say this as a terms of building his credibility and letting you know how much of an expert he is in this field and the track record that Dr. Paul White has, but also the things that he says are not just because of situational experiences that he's had or based on some small, simple sized research. This is based on thousands and hundreds of thousands of responses of assessment results, of survey results that he and his team have gathered over the years. If you're still believing that appreciation is overrated or not important, that pay should be enough or a thank you and a good job will do, this episode is, as I said, not just a must know, but a must listen. Uh, it's super enlightening and inspiring to hear Dr. Paul White talk about it. I will now wrap my introduction and we'll get right into the conversation with Dr. Paul White. As I said earlier, I'm thrilled to share this conversation with you. And with that, let's go. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Dr. Paul White, thank you so much for making the time and being on the Manage to Track podcast with us today. It's great to have this conversation with you. Uh, my pleasure to be with you. Thank you. 
Like I said in the introduction, you have a wealth of experience as it relates to appreciation and engagement in the workplace. What I'm really curious about is what continues to surprise you as you work with organizations and talk about these specific topics and appreciation and praise and recognition on a regular basis. And I'm sure that you have conversations or people ask you questions that continue to surprise you. What are some of the... (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the things that surprises me is just how many leaders still don't really get it and that they're just about performance, just about metrics, treat people like production units and don't understand the human elements of their employees, of their people. And as a result, they wind up getting the negative results of that, of people not staying with them, conflict, lack of understanding, not great effort, lower productivity. And then they just try to do more, maybe give raises or compensation, which doesn't work very well, at least not for very long. Yeah. And I know that what you're saying is also proven and we can see in, in research and studies over and over where we can see the correlation between leaders providing recognition and appreciation versus others. And then we see that in terms of engagement numbers. Can you share some of that with us? Sure. Yeah. And employee engagement, sort of, you know, a hot term and all that, but most of us don't think in those terms. Most of us think in practical kinds of things. So what that means is when your team members and employees feel valued and appreciated, good results happen. They show up on time. There's less calling in sick when they're not really sick. There's lower turnover. There is less conflict in the workplace. Uh, Research shows higher productivity, higher profitability, largely because staff turnover is one of the biggest non-productive costs uh, that we have. Customer service ratings go up. Um, Managers enjoy their work more. Um, And so all kinds of good things happen when people feel valued. And even things like uh, on-the-job accidents go down and employee theft goes down. Those are the kinds of things that employee engagement really flows to practically. Yeah. And I heard you say in a past article or write about this idea that the employee engagement is very retrospective, where we capture data. It's not very practical or tactical. doesn't really tell us what to do. So for managers who are just really stepping into their leadership role and they start to feel that sense of responsibility that they have when they are serving other team members and they're responsible for them and want to help them in their career and want to make sure that they feel motivated. This is something that I hear all the time from leaders of this question of this intangible word motivation. What does that mean and how can I motivate my employees? So leaders who are new to leadership, what suggestions and tips do you have for them? It's interesting that there's direct motivation, which has to do with really Employee recognition and rewards came out of the the model in the 50s and 60s of the last century of identifying behaviors that you want to see happen, setting goals, monitoring them, and then rewarding those. And that works well in a very targeted, narrow kind of way. But appreciation, we, we believe, is about the person as well as what they do. And that if you really want to create an organization that has loyalty, that has energy, that has positivity, that has productivity, then you focus on 
appreciating the people for who they are and what they do, but do it in ways that are meaningful to them rather than just a top down, okay, this is what we're going to do this month for employee of the month and the same thing all the time, but to find out uh, what really is valued by your team members. And so we created an online assessment that uh, over time, 375,000 people have taken it. It's in seven languages. And it identifies the ways that each person wants to be shown appreciation rather than just doing the same thing for everybody. Which I think is a really important part because as leaders and especially new managers, there's often this idea that the way I want to be led, like if I think about my best manager, this is how then I want to lead because I think that's the best way to be a manager. So of course, I want to embody that and then be that kind of manager to everyone else. And it shows up right in so many different ways. Yeah. And I would say that a a key part about that for new leaders is that you need to learn how to lead people who are different than you. Mm -hmm. You may be great. You may be wonderful. I'm sure you're talented, motivated, all that. But you've got to have a team of people who think differently, who have different sets of skills and who feel valued differently. And so if you only do the things that work for you, you'll have a bunch of mini yous following you around for a while at least. Uh, but you're not really going to have an effective team across the board. The the assessment um, that you have on the website, and we'll link to that in the show notes, that will help give an indication of what are some different ways to really land that word of or act of appreciation and make it meaningful. Now, in your work and by assessing or evaluating these results, what are some of the common misconceptions that people Mm -hmm. have of what they think appreciation is and how to do it well versus what you actually see in the data? Yeah. So the the first misconception is that a lot of leaders, because it's what they've experienced, think that employee recognition uh, is the same as authentic appreciation. And they overlap some, but employee recognition is pretty organizational. It's top down. It can be scalable because it can be done uh, across organizations and so forth, but it's it feels pretty impersonal to people. Uh, whereas authentic appreciation really is about the person and it's about what they like. Second misconception is that people tend to think, and I've had leaders say, you know, yeah, I want my employees to feel good and happy, but we need to get things done. And the misconception is that the goal about appreciation is just to make people feel good. And while that's hopefully a result, really, it's more about helping create an effective organization that effectively does what your mission is. It's like oil in a machine. If you have a machine that's working together, does not have any oil? If there's heat, there's friction, maybe sparks, it gets stuck. And appreciation is like the oil that helps the pieces of the organization work together well. And I would say the fourth misconception is that a lot of leaders think that they're the primary responsible one for showing appreciation to their team members. And while we want leaders and managers to be involved, actually, we found that it's more helpful to have the whole team learn how to show appreciation to one another Because more in younger employees, they're more concerned and focused on collegial relationships than top-down relationships. And also, it's too much weight for a manager to carry by themselves. And so we teach teams how to show appreciation to one another, and it really works well that way. Yeah, I love that you emphasize this point of the peer recognition. Tactically speaking, for our listeners or viewers what suggestions, what kind of tips or ideas do you have for them that they could easily implement in their next team meeting or as part of their process of managing a team? A problem is that 
a lot of people think appreciation is words and it can be obviously praise and compliment, but we found that from the hundreds of thousands of people that we assessed, words is the primary way people will show appreciation by less than 50% of team members. So if you only use words, you're going to miss half of your team. Having said that, it's a big group. It's 46%. So it's a good starting point. And so one of the things that we teach, if you're going to use words, you want to be specific. We have, I don't know, 95,000 people on our newsletter list. We do polls. We found out that people don't want to hear good job. Why? Because it's generic. Anybody can say it doesn't take any time and effort. So if you're going to use words, be very specific. And actually, we teach people to use people's names. If you're going to write it, make sure you spell it correctly because names are spelled so many different ways. Um, and then say specifically what you value about what they've done or who they are and why it's important to you or the organization. So it's a nice way to start. Now, most people, very few people are going to be offended if you do it just personally. Some are okay with doing it in front of their team. Fewer are don't want it in front of a big group. In fact, 40% of people don't want to be recognized in front of a big group. So it's better to, to start individually or in front of the team but be specific about what they've done or demonstrated that's really valuable to you. And then how do you, as a leader, foster this environment where peer recognition starts to pick up and they do this to each other or for each other? Yeah, you know, I grew up professionally in the not-for-profit and social service sector where people give a lot, especially emotionally, and there's not much money for training. So it was important to me to create some low-cost training materials, which we've done. We have an online train-the-trainer and actually making it available just to managers for a, a training process. It could be done in a series of one-hour sessions or a half-day where you learn together as a team about what's the difference between appreciation and recognition, what each of the five languages of appreciation look like practically, and how to go about doing it so that it's viewed as authentic rather than just going through the motions. They can go to our website. It's appreciationatwork.com and it's the word at, but appreciationatwork.com, all kind of resources, but the training process, which doesn't cost a lot and you can take your team through it to find out how people like to be shown appreciation and then, and work on it together. So what I'm hearing you say is make it a topic, bring it to people's attention, train people on it, use the resources and the guidelines, and I assume also the assessments that will bring up the conversations of, yeah, how I like to receive recognition or appreciation, and then how do, and then how do you, and what do you like or don't like about it? Yeah, and one, one of the things, people are busy. We know that. That's people, the one major pushback is, when am I going to have time to do this? Besides the training, which takes a half day, okay, that, that is not a lot of time. We don't want to create another to-do list for people, especially managers. You've got enough to do. So we want to help you do what you're already doing or almost doing, but do in a way that's effective. So there are some people that don't like words uh, and, you know, they live sort of by the, the, the meaning, you know, uh, words are cheap. Don't tell me you support me, show me. And those are acts of service people lots of times that, and it's not helping a low performing colleague. It's doing something that they're pushing hard on a project to get it done. What's a little something that you can do? to help out with that and quality time. In the old days, it was spending time with your manager or supervisor. Now it's more people like to go to lunch together with their peers and their colleagues or go out afterwards. Tangible gifts are not bonuses and raises, but they're just 
small things that show that you're getting to know your team members, like their favorite cup of coffee, or maybe a magazine about their favorite sports team or something like that. It's interesting with your Northern European background, I, I was working with a multinational uh, group on a ship and the captains, one was from Switzerland and one was from Norway. And they said, there was a saying in their culture that not being yelled at is praise enough and that it wasn't part of their culture to be appreciated. And I'm American and grew up in the Midwest of the United States. And people say, does this really cross-cultural? Our book's been translated and initiated by publishers in 25 countries. Our assessments is in eight languages. It's used by multinationals, by Pepsi, L'Oreal, Caterpillar, ExxonMobil, all different kinds of places. And the languages appear to be cross-cultural. What needs to be specific are the specific actions because in the US, we may go out to lunch together and that's one way to spend time or even to buy their lunch. I was in Beijing and in China and they said, no, we don't do that, but we bring breakfast in, you know? And so somebody may pick up breakfast for their colleague on the way in. So you have to figure out, and, and our translations are not just language translations, but also culturally translated so that the actions fit the culture as well. Mm, yeah, they fit within the context. Thanks for sharing that, because I think there is sometimes this idea that, oh, the, you know, great job, well done, you're amazing, you're awesome. On one hand, as if that was enough, right? If that was, and we've just covered that, no, that we actually don't prefer that. We would like it to be a lot more personalized and specific. And then second, it also sometimes has a bit of the connotation of, oh, that's very American or that's very over the top. When in fact, that doesn't neglect the idea of appreciation at all. It just means, okay, what are the words or what are then the behaviors that suit your culture? Right. But that pushback or objection of, if you don't get yelled at, you're doing a good job. Yeah, I, I hear that too. Mm -hmm. What do you say to someone who says, well, no, in our culture, that just doesn't work because I would feel very over the top or very inauthentic. In If you don't hit it in feedback, you're actually doing a good job. That's it. I think that's a strength of our system is that we work with different cultures and organizations and multinationals and spoken overseas in a variety of settings. And we listen. It's not like I try to force it down. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't. But people do want to feel valued and they do want to be appreciated. Yes, we all need to motivate ourselves. Yeah, I got that. And Americans need to grow in that, I think. But the fact is that it is nice to know that somebody else values what you do and who you are and to hear that occasionally. It's not like we have to throw a parade every time somebody shows up or gets their work done. But when we do you know, a job well and handle a difficult situation well, it's really critical to acknowledge that. And the research and it's largely US-based, although Western Europe, Canada, some in Australia, New Zealand, that when people don't feel valued, they're more likely to leave. In fact, 79% of the people in one survey found that if they left, it was largely because they didn't feel valued. It wasn't about money. And most, I think managers, especially beginning managers, think people leave for more money. One Another study showed 89% of managers think people leave for money. Only 17% of the people who left said it was for money. Now they may give more money, but the reason they're leaving is more of an emotional driver because it takes a lot of emotional energy to leave and find a new job. So I, th I think you have to pay attention to that. And so if you have key team members you don't want to lose, you better make sure 
that you're knowing how to show them that, that you value them and do so. Otherwise, they may be sort of on what we'd call the trading block that they're looking. As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career, and lead a high-performing, engaged team. And in order to do that, as a leader, you need to lead with a system, not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first learn what should go into a leadership system and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must-have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one -on -one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training, plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have for a nominal $19 at RamonaShaw.com slash one one. That's two times the number one. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to RamonaShaw.com slash one one to get started right now. Yeah. And it's interesting. Every time I'll take new managers through my program, we land on that topic of employee motivation as well as appreciation. And I asked the question, what is one situation that you still recall from your past career that someone else was recognized you or appreciated you in a very specific way that you still recall because it was so emotionally meaningful for you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And every single person like immediately has at least one example that they yeah. recall. And I remember one time I was working late and I got flowers in the car the next day because thank you for going the extra mile and, and for pushing through and helping this other team. And I remember, I talk about this today, it's a decade ago, but also for at least two to three years, that mm. fueled me. Like, And yeah. when it felt like oh, I was hard or I had to stay late or do more work than was really mine, or I was just helping someone else, it was like, no, but that's what we are. That's what we value. And it gets valued in this organization. Yes. And it felt it aligned. And, and what's interesting is that it doesn't take much of the right action to really make an impact, mm -hmm. but you can waste a lot of time and energy doing things that aren't meaningful to people. And you're like, what's with it? You know, I say good things about them all the time in front of others, or I check in. And there's some people that just, they don't want to hear it or quality time. It's like, you know, I just leave me alone, but if I need help or if there's something you or a team member can do to help out me get my project done, the key is we don't want people doing everything for everybody. It's a waste of time and energy. We want to help managers and supervisors become more efficient and effective. And actually that's one of the answers to the busyness is that we found that when people use our system and team members truly feel valued and appreciated. A lot of the things that take up your time and energy drop off. You're not having to deal with people not showing up. You're not having to deal with territorial conflicts between two team members. You're not having to address issues of them not following policies and procedures. You're able to focus on the main deal and not deal with all these other sort of extraneous distractions. Yeah. Now, in a remote or a hybrid setup, Things are not different, but some of them are just becoming more or less important, some items. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. as it relates to 
appreciation in a remote or hybrid setup, and especially since COVID, what are some of the changes uh, that you've noticed working with organizations? During COVID and the pandemic, we actually created uh, a virtual training kit so that it could be done totally virtually. But most organizations, at least uh, in the States, if they've gone remote, some they're, they're hybrid, so people are around some. But I've dealt with some totally virtual teams, especially multinational. And I, I guess uh, one of the things we found in neurosciences supporting this is that just meeting by Zoom or video conference is not the same as meeting person to person. And that I strongly encourage teams, virtual teams especially, to get together at least occasionally, once a year, twice a year, because there's a very different kind of communication and understanding and empathy that happens when you see a person. You know, there's some people that they're shorter than you thought, others are taller than you thought. They're different when a group versus one-on-one, -on -one, and it's really important. Otherwise, appreciation, when you only know them virtually, can feel weird, to be honest. I've dealt with one group, I've said, I'm not sure if this is gonna work because they've never met each other. And we say appreciation is person to person. And if you don't know the person, it feels weird. And you usually miss the mark. And the other part, our assessment, we've created versions for different industries like schools, medical, and so forth. But we created a remote version so that the actions fit in remote relationships. So that quality time, you're not going to go out to lunch together, but you may set up a time where you're just uh, going to have coffee in your own office and just chat about life. And part of it is that when you're remote, you don't have those sort of spontaneous interactions about, you know, what you do this weekend or what you think about the game last night or whatever. And so we really encourage teams to set aside time for that either separately or before or at the end of a conference call for people to be able to chat because that's where you get to know people at a personal level versus just about what they do professionally. Yeah, and I can totally see that you're adding that personal level to it more so than just work, right? But of really getting to know the person holistically to then really call out their strength and their uniqueness yeah. in the context of work appreciation. And that's where stickiness develops. Yeah. That if that when they have a sense that you know them and understand them as a person, yeah, there's loyalty grows there versus just that they do a good job and you pay them for that. It's relational, not transactional. Yeah. As you continue to do this work and as you're learning new things, what is something that you've been rethinking or you changed your mind on since the book originally got published? Well, that's a great question. What am I rethinking? I went through a phase. So when I'm a psychologist by training, I'm not an HR person. And I came into this through working with family-owned businesses in the United States and saw that there were communication issues. And so I thought, okay, this is good. And, and when I first worked with people, especially HR professionals, I said, this employee recognition thing isn't working. <laughs> they said, yeah, but we don't know what else to do. So that's when we figured this out. And I thought, okay, we know what, what's going on. And for a while I was down on recognition and rewards, but then there's been a period of time where I see that the two can work together, that you want to have people do the right thing and do it well and reward and acknowledge that. But that along with appreciation is really important at the personal level. And the two together are quite powerful. Now I'm at a next stage where I'm like, this reward stuff, people keep doing that and they just are stuck on it. 
and uh, part I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, I got different reasons, hypotheses about why they're not trained that way in business schools and so forth. But man, if you just do that, you are stupid. Just to be honest, that you're not going to get the positive results that you really want. And it, it's not transactional. Like you said, it's about the person. And I, I think culturally with technology and all that, we're, and loneliness, that's one of the things that we found out about remote workers that they feel about their loan, that if you don't address that, uh, you're really going to have a hard time building and keeping a team. And so it's about the relationships in addition to the, the mission of the, of the organization. Yeah, because with, with being remote and not naturally building the relationships through just physical proximity and interactions that are maybe more spontaneous and less pre-planned through meetings and so forth, mm -hmm. uh, or verbal, just written communication, that really being seen and using appreciation as a way to show that you care and show that you see their strength and their uniqueness, it seems to just become more and more and more important as we dive into technology and AI and remote and hybrid and all these different setups for managers. Yeah, and I think especially those in smaller organizations, you're going to see the organizations that pay attention to their employees as persons and deal with appreciation, you're going to outperform your competitors who are just focused on production because your costs are going to be low, you're going to have less turnover, so you're going to be more effective. And we're going to see this happen. And I think we see it even in bigger organizations that have sold, fallen apart because they're all about technology and task oriented. And that'll, you can be successful at that on the short term, but over time you, people burn out and they're out and then you get a negative rep for the culture and then stuff to draw in quality people. Yeah. Yeah. It's transactional on both sides. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, when we're often looking at it as the manager of a team or leadership overall, recognizing employees or your know, team members, but we can flip that upside down and say, how about employees also appreciating their managers who often Absolutely. don't hear it at all? Right. What are some suggestions there? Because one thing that I hear people always be worried about, and I can absolutely relate with, is you don't want to be overdoing it where it feels like you're manipulating right. the situation. So right. what do you suggest? First of all, it's a great point and one that people should pay attention to because I used to work for a guy when I was in a government setting. He hated his supervisors and the administrators, but we loved each other as a team. We grew together and we he got his motivation from us, you know, and from the support we gave. And I think that can happen in a difficult or a larger organization. And the whole issue about being viewed as manipulative or whatever, yeah, you have to be careful about it. But here's the tip. The more specific you are about what you value, the more likely it's going to be viewed as authentic. So let's say a receptionist sees a, a vice president really handle a difficult situation well with a, a client who's in the reception area and giving her a hard time. And she can communicate appreciation for how he handled that situation and how it really saved her from dealing with this tense kind of thing versus saying, hey, Mr. Jones or Bob, whatever, you really do a good job. That's the kind of thing that gets plugged into what are they thinking and why are they doing this versus if it's related to a specific it's like, okay, I get it. And that they sh she shared about how it was important to her. I think that's the, uh, the relevance as well. 
yeah, the benefit it had on them. Yes. Or even it could be like a peer or a, a coworker, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that angle. And I think there's something about these non-linear uh, relationships too, right? We're appreciating employees to their managers and just noticing the benefit of it. And the fact that there's so much that comes with it and building that oil in the engine, and it really doesn't cost much. That is cheap oil, right? right it doesn't take right. a lot of time. It costs nothing to do. It really takes a training and a bit of awareness, self-awareness and awareness of others. And that's it. And then it becomes a discipline. But when we're paying attention, not just me as a leader downward, but also me upwards and right. sideways and in a sort of a triangle situation where I might appreciate someone and I also include their supervisors to it. And yeah. And, and I think a common example is across departments, right? It's like this person doesn't report to you, but let's, let's say it's somebody from IT and you're in accounting and your computer system is not working and they help get it work you know, communicate appreciation about them helping that is clearly appropriate. And it's not that you're getting anything from it. They're getting, it's just them making your life better and all kinds of things, whether that's the cafeteria setting and somebody goes an extra mile to get you the kind of food that you like or need. It, it's really freeing because it's not organizational based. It's not according to the org chart. It's just, Hey, that, and it, it, allows you to be creative too about looking for somebody to appreciate somebody that did something that helped things go well for the team this week. Yeah. And I think that's that mindset shift. And I've heard you talk about the ripple effect that this has on other people. And we know that right when we get recognized or appreciated for something very specifically, we are then more likely to also pass that on and appreciate someone else sure. just out of, out of that spirit. And there are organizations in the United States that are well known that they treat their employees and customers. It's a way to create customer loyalty that mm -hmm. they know that you're treating your employees well. And so they want to support you rather than one of your competitors. And that you get that wheel flying and uh, you got a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that in, in my choices too. As we were wrapping up this conversation, what is something that we haven't talked about, but you think would have been a good question to ask? Wow. I just think that it, it's interesting to me that we have not yet found a work setting that these concepts don't work. In fact, and I can send you a copy of this. Uh, we had an article written about us by the New York Times in New York it's Sunday business section about our work with a mining company. And you wouldn't think about miners and truck drivers getting this, but they loved, they have hard hats and they, we have symbols for each of the language and they got stickers to put on for that. And we work with correction facilities and construction and all that. Uh, it's not so much a, a question, but I just, it's fascinating to me that the model and, and the concepts work if you apply it culturally appropriate and authentically and consistently I think anybody can do it. It's not intellectually difficult, right? It's pretty simple, straightforward. And that's actually been a strength that most people don't have a lot of mental and emotional bandwidth to learn something new. So it's easy to learn, easy to remember, and easy to apply. And so it works. With huge payoffs. Yes. Yeah, because at the basis of it is our humanness. That, that's the common factor there. Paul, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom on this podcast with us. It was really inspiring for me to hear you and also dive into your work. 
in preparation more. And you're obviously a name that as a leadership coach, I've followed and read from for a while. And it just is for me, the emphasis on employee appreciation and learning it as it's such an easy skill with such a huge payoff. It's so meaningful and rewarding. And thank you for making the time to really spread that word out also through the channels of this podcast and sure. otherwise. Thanks, Romano, for having me. I enjoyed the time. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.